Welcome to Kingdom Life Church, Stellenbosch. May this life-giving word activate your faith today. Well, we are starting a brand new sermon series today um, called While I Was Waiting. Now, <laughs> now, this has been a series, a series of sermons that I've been um, writing and thinking about over the last 18 months. And actually, uh, more than a year ago, God started speaking to me and my wife about so many things. And we went through some seasons in our lives that sparked some stuff that, um, that I started writing down in my journals. And um, this week I was looking at the journals, I was thinking what we're going through, but I could never find a way where this sermons or this, what I, all my writings could fit in till now. And I realized, wow, this is now the time that we can actually dive into this sermon series. It's probably going to be three Sundays. It's not going to be a long one. It might grow. You never know. Um, it might grow as God grows our revelation on this amazing topic. Now, lately... Um, we all know, <laughs> we all can actually relate to this topic because we are going through it right now. We're waiting. We're waiting in our houses. We are restricted by movement. We are restricted by so many things in our lives and we need to wait. We can't go out in the evening. We can't go out early morning. We only can quickly run around in the morning and go back home. So we all know, what am I, what am I talking about this morning? Um, but I remember when I was in London, um, I stayed in London for about six months. Uh, I think some of you know the story. But I remember my older sister came and visited me um, during that time. And she was just in London for about two, three days. And she had uh, a lot of meetings. She was visiting friends. And, and we uh, this will actually said we're going to meet somewhere and just have a quick one or two hour coffee and just say hi to each other. And we uh, decided I'll meet her at the train station or the underground station, the closest to where she stays. So I went there. But as I walked off the train, I realized that we've never spoke about where <laughs> on this train station we should meet. So I just stood there on a the platform because it's, it's one place the train stops and she can come to get out. And, um, and I just waited there. And the waiting becomes, became five minutes, ten minutes later, half an hour later, an hour later... I thought, what is happening? Where is she? So I went out, um, out to the train station door coming out of the street. And I stood there. Maybe she's hanging around there. And I was hanging around there for about a half an hour. And I couldn't, I mean, I, I got frustrated waiting for her. So I was on my way back to the platform. And I ran into her, realizing that there was two platforms. One on the other side of the street that was called exactly the same, but we never knew it. And we were standing on two different sides of the road on the same platform. Now, how many of us has, has had a situation like that in our lives? I think all of us. Now, we had, I, mean, I grew up in times with no cell phones, that you couldn't just pick up quickly your cell phone and say, hey, where are you? Meet me there. There was nothing. You had to wait where you discuss. I'm going to wait here. Um, I remember when I was growing up, my mom and my sisters, we had only one car, me us as a family. And, and, um, and, and I had usually had an appointment at a certain time of the day, finding out, oh, my mom and my sisters went to town, but they're on their way back. And I'm standing there, there pins and needles of, are they going to be in time? Because otherwise I'm going to be late. And you can't contact them. They, you can't let them know, please, <laughs> please hurry up. And so if, if you've ever been in a situation like that, you would know exactly 
what waiting is all about. Now, the number one thing that happens in our hearts when we wait is, is something that, that we all know so much about, and it is impatience. We all get impatient. I think there's a scientist proved that after 17 minutes, um, most people get frustrated and impatient in a conversation that they don't like. Um, the, 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 the average time on the phone, people get impatient is about nine minutes. I mean, there's so many, so much interesting things about impatience. But in the past few decades, we have become an impatient generation. And it's actually shocking if you look at everything we are used to. We want quick answers. Um, we, wanna, we want quick answers to complex issues about economy, diseases we're going through right now, about um, uh, personal relations and all those kind of things. Let me just, there we go. Personal relations and all those kind of things. But the, the, the stuff that actually got me is that we, we do the following. We speed date. We love fast foods. We try one weekend diets. <laughs> we pay for overnight shipping as quick as possible. And we hoot as soon as that light turns green. We're on the hooter. And we speak half sentences. If you see how people text today, everything is quicker. The quicker, the better. I mean, I remember the first time I got in London, I saw there was a 60 seconds McDonald's. And if you don't get your order within 60 seconds, you get everything for free, no matter how big your order is. And they never fail to come in in 60 seconds. It's incredible. We love things to be quick because we hate waiting in line or just waiting for stuff. Now, the dictionary actually defines patience as the following. Listen to this. It says, it's the ability to remain calm and not become annoyed when waiting for a long time or when dealing with problems or difficult people. You see, patience is when you don't get annoyed, waiting in line, waiting for stuff. Now, see, we all have been given so many opportunities through our lives to deal with or to wait and to deal with problems in our lives. I mean, there's so many times in our lives that we have to wait. I, I can just, I mean, it, waiting is just a human thing. It's part of human life. It's, 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 it's just who we are. We have to wait somewhere along the line in our, in our lives. And, and it, when we wait, it's actually, this is a quite amazing thing. When we wait, something strange happened to us. <laughs> the longer you wait, the more impatient we get. And the weird things started coming out of you. I mean, I can only say words like home affairs, renewing your ID, getting that car registration done and some emotions already popping up i don't want to go and renew my eye oh my goodness i mean just think of all that lines i need to wait in we hate to wait almost called the series hate to wait <laughs> but i think this is a better a better topic now as christians we go through some seasons where where god keeps us waiting why because he has promises we are waiting for now, if you don't know it, the Bible is full of promises that God has given you. Promises that He said that you will walk in. Callings that He said that I've called you to this. We just need to find it. The more you read the Bible, the more you realize that, oh, wow, Father, this is an amazing promise for my life and for your life. Now, sometimes we call it 
um, that waiting season, we call it a wilderness season. Or sometimes we call it a process of God building, building, <laughs> building our trust in Him. And maybe sometimes it's just growing our character through a time of waiting. Now, waiting is never an easy season in our lives. Ask me if you've ever been through one of those seasons in your life of waiting. Waiting is never easy. And what makes it worse is it, <laughs> if you've ever gone through such a season, you will know that God is awfully quiet in those seasons. He's, he's, I mean, it's, I don't know why, but it, it's always like that. Now, when we go through these challenges times, like we're going through now, we have to wait and we have to be patient and we have to see this through. It's important to realize that these moments, this moments we're going through, the moments of waiting, the moments of wilderness, is not moments where God is rejecting us, but God is preparing us. Now you have to get this this morning. Sometimes we go through seasons in our lives where we have to wait. Let me give you, for instance, when a mom is pregnant. Mothers, you all know, when you have children, if you're of, of having Mother's Day today, yes, you have children. Or maybe you're pregnant. Or moms, you're pregnant for nine months. It's not a time of rejection. It's a time of preparation. Preparing your heart. And same for you, Dad. You are being prepared as a father in that nine months. Now, when we wait and when we go through a season like that, it is not because God is rejecting us. He's quiet. Our baby, when you're pregnant, can't speak to you. Yes, they sometimes kick in the later stages and you can know there's something going on. But they don't speak to you. They don't tell you how they feel or if they're hungry or not. And that doesn't mean, moms, that you are rejected. No, God is preparing you to be that mother. To giving birth to that promise that God has given you. Now, the greatest revelations and breakthroughs in our lives doesn't happen at the Christian spa. It doesn't. I promise you, it happens in the wilderness. And it happens when we go through tough things in our lives, when the biggest revelations come. Now, in such a place where God is preparing us for that next level in our lives, it's in such a place where we step up to the next level from the old you to the new you. Or it's in that place where God brings you to a place of maturity. When we go through a waiting place and we're going to speak later on when Jesus went into the wilderness the spirit led him into the wilderness and it says later on that he came out in the power of the spirit he came out mature as a son of God now David comes and he writes this amazing psalm in Psalm 27 and this is also our core scripture for our few sermons that we're going to do and I want you to grab your Bible if you have your Bible, if you have your U version, whatever you have available, um, I'm going to read mostly out of the NIV this morning, the New New International Version. If you've got a U version on your cell phone or app somewhere, go to the NIV. But I'm going to read Psalm 27. It's out of the New King James Version. So grab your Bible, go to Psalm 27, and I'd love you to read this with me as we go through. Because um, it's so much in the scripture. It actually is so prophetic for where we are right now. Right now in this season of our lives. So Psalm 27 verse 13 and 14. It's the last two scriptures in Psalm 27. And I'm reading from the New King James Version. It says the following. It says, I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Now verse 14 it says, 
wait on the Lord. Be of good courage and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Now, it's this incredible, incredible, incre I love this scripture. I mean, yes, I love so many scriptures and you always hear me say that. But I love this scripture for this moment. David says, I would have lost heart. I would have lost my courage in this time if I did not believe that God is good to me. And that I'm not, that, and that I don't believe that I'm living in the land of the living. Not facing death or anxiety or fear. I'm facing life through Christ because of His goodness. And then he says, but wait on the Lord. Just wait on Him. Be of good courage. He shall strengthen your heart so that you can also say this, that be of good courage and wait on Him. I'm going to live in the land of the living. Isn't that a great scripture? Now David writes this Psalm 27. When he writes this 27, he believes that, that, that he will see God's goodness right where he is at, at that moment. He says that I don't care how bad things are around me. I believe that I will see God's goodness now in this time, in this season, in this things I'm going through right now. Now see, when, when David wrote this psalm, the rest of the psalm, the first few, the first verses before we get to 13 and 14, the first 12 verses, comes before, what comes before this awesome statement is that David wasn't in a very awesome spot. He was in a very tough spot in his life. And he wrote this psalm while he was struggling with fear and loneliness. And he, and he wasn't in a great place. He was in the wilderness. How many of you are struggling with loneliness and with fear and, and with unsurety at the moment in your lives and your job and your, your family and, and, and you can't see your loved ones? Maybe you're a mom this morning. You can't see your kids this morning. And you have to Zoom them and you have to call them. And, but there's no way you can physically see them and, and you've, you're struggling with loneliness today. And that's where David was. He says that I will not lose heart because I know God is good. I know He is good. Although I'm walking in a wilderness, I'm waiting and waiting and waiting and I'm waiting and I know there's a promise, but I can't see this promise. I know God is good. But see, David hasn't forgot God in this moment. He know, he hasn't forgot God's heart for him. And moms, I want to tell you this morning that God has not forgot your heart for your family, for your children, for everything you do and sometimes feel that people's not seeing you. People's not recognizing everything you have to do. But in His presence, there is fullness of joy for you. There is fullness of joy that knows that we are living in a land of the living. In where there is life and not death. Now David has, hasn't forgotten that being in the presence of the Lord, for, for even in a moment, is better than being anywhere else. Anywhere else in his life. He says better is that moment in your presence than a thousand years anywhere else. Now in this mindset... And in this realization that allows him, sorry, it is in this mindset that allowed him to place his hope in God. And, and, and therefore he could state boldly, said that I believe I will look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living because God gives life. Now it's why he can urge, that's why he can urge his heart and others to take courage. And some translations it says, I shall be courageous. And when he says, I shall, he includes himself in the statement. Now, David could wait well 
because he knew God's heart. He knew God's presence. But he also knew that waiting isn't easy. It's not easy waiting. It's always lasts for longer than we hope. <laughs> and it stretches us to grow more than we've ever grown. But waiting is good for us. It is really good for us. And I say this not out of context. I'm saying this in, in context because we have gone through some serious waiting seasons in our lives. Um, I remember when I went into ministry, it took me 10 years before I preached my first sermon. 10 years of ministry, laboring on, trusting, serving, loving the people around me, loving the church before I got an opportunity to stand on a stage and preach the word. After God has given me a promise and a dream of preaching before thousands. I was, I was, I was still um, early in, my, um, in ministry the first year and I, I had a dream one night that where I stood on a stage and I preached before thousands. And I was so excited because I'm going to preach. I'm going to do, I'm going to share script. I mean, I mean it's going to be amazing. And it took 10 years. 10 years of holding on to a promise and it wasn't easy. And in that moment, people told me, oh, you'll never preach, you'll never do this. You'll ne and I just kept on holding on to that promise. Now, I hope, I hope through this few sermons and through this series we're going through, that we can share some of our battle notes that, that we have gone through that helped us to wait well. And I want to encourage you to, to, as you're going through this wilderness season or this season where you have to wait, that God will strengthen your heart that you will wait well until that place where your promise Will come into life now this morning it's Mother's Day and I wanted to start out with with um, with a strong woman out of the scripture this morning and it's men it's also applicable to you so don't worry um, there's something in this which is so profound for every one of us now I want you to turn your Bibles to 1 Samuel 1 1 Samuel 1 um, it's wide in the Old Testament Samuel was one was one of the, the last two judges of the Israel um, Israel nation and they didn't have kings or or anything they had judges that acted as prophets and priests over the nation so it was mass amazing leaders with a prophetic gifting that served God and Samuel was one of those but this is how we came about to get to Samuel so if you turn your Bible to 1 Samuel 1 and I'm going to read from verse 1 to 20 so it's a lot of reading but I want to build some context for us as I'm going into this so it will be amazing if you see this with me as I read this. And maybe God shows you different and new things as we're going through the scripture. And I want to talk about a woman called Hannah this morning. Hannah, Hannah was an incredible woman of God. But she went through a serious, very tough, strenuous wilderness season in her life. Let's read it together. I'm reading from the NIV in 1 Samuel 1 verse 1 to 20. It says the following. Let me just have some water. It says the following. It says, there was a certain man. So, sorry, there's a lot of big words here. So, excuse my, my pronunciation of them. There was a certain man from Ramathine in Zupphite, um, from the hill country of Ephraim, whose name was Elkanah, son of Jeroham, the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zaph, and an and Ephraimite. He had two wives. One was called Hannah and the other Penina. Penina had, had children. and In fact, she had a lot of children. But Hannah had none. Verse 3. 
Year after year, the man went up, Elkanah went up from his town to worship and sacrifice to the Lord God Almighty, or the Lord Almighty in Shiloh, where Hophni and Phineas, the two sons of Eli, the high priest, were priests of the Lord. Verse 4, whenever the day came for Elkanah to sacrifice, he would give portions of the meat to his wife Penina and to all her sons and her daughters. She had many children. But to Hannah, he gave a double portion because he loved her and the Lord had closed her womb. So it's very important that you get this. He gave her a double portion because he loved her and because the Lord has closed her womb. Now, because the Lord has closed Hannah's womb, her rival kept on provoking her, Penina, her rival, kept on provoking her in order to irritate her. Verse 7, then went on, or sorry, this went on year after year. Whenever Hannah went up to the house of the Lord, her rival provoked her till she wept and would not eat. Have you ever been so full of sorrow that you, you just don't want to eat? You, I mean, you're just sad. Then verse 8, it says, her husband Elkanah would say to her, Hannah almost said, honey, <laughs> he probably said, honey, why are you weeping? Why don't you eat? Why are you downhearted? Don't I mean more than, than those, uh, more to you than 10 sons? Now, let's just stop there before we go on. Now, there's a few things that, that lead us into the story of Hannah. Now we see that Hannah had no children and it's not just for a year or two, it's for many years. And she was barren and it says that the Lord closed her womb. Now it's important to see this in context quickly. In biblical times for a woman not to be able to have children was to, seen, to be seen as a failure from everyone. Have you ever been seen as a failure among your peers or among your friends or among your colleagues or work? I mean, it's not fun. It's not fun to be seen as a failure. We don't want to be a failure. But society pushed her out and saw her as a failure because she was barren. Even people said that, that, that women who was barren were saw as cursed by God. That's even worse. <laughs> when people come like, oh, you're such a failure. God has cursed you because you couldn't have children. I mean, it is a tough spot to be in. You see, children, especially sons, were seen as a sign of status and wealth in families in that day. Biblical times wasn't easy days. Now, my first question was, why would he take, why would God take Hannah? Or, or why would God do that? Why would he close her wombs? Why would God take Hannah through so many years of humiliation and sorrow? Because God is a loving God. But how many of us go through seasons of waiting, waiting and waiting and waiting for that promise? And, and, and as soon as we think, okay, the waiting is over, it feels like the waiting is just starting. <laughs> now, we never know why God is doing this. We never know it. All we know is that God almost never, never gives the reason. He never gives the reason, but He just gives an amazing outcome to the waiting period in our lives. Now, it's the same as growing in your profession. Just, uh, it's the same as growing in your profession. We don't grow and mature for free without doing something. We go through some stuff that brings maturity. It matures us. And sometimes we don't know why we're going through all the stuff things. But we know that it matures us 
every time to the next step, next level, next thing. So we can't say why God did this to Hannah, but we know what God had planned for her. It was more amazing than anything she could ever think of and, and hope for and pray for. Now, in the, end of, in, in the end, the outcome makes us stronger in faith. When we wait, when we go through all these things, we get stronger in our faith. We get more mature in our relationship with God. And that's what we want, don't we? We want to be more mature in our relationship with God. We want to be stronger in our faith as we're going through all these journeys and these wilderness seasons in our lives. Now, I want to take three points today out of this story. And I'm believing that these three points will help us how to navigate waiting seasons in our lives, like we're going through right now. Now, number one is who is walking with you through the season? Are you alone? Are you sitting alone? Who's walking with you through the season? Now, Hannah was not alone in the season. She had a husband, Elkanah, that was with her. Now, we see in verse 5 that, that he gave her a double portion when they went to sacrifice. Now, I thought, why is he doing this? I mean, that's unfair to, to um, his other wife and all the kids. And I mean, she doesn't have sons. And, but this is so amazing. See, Elkanah was treating her as if she had a son. He gave her a double portion. He was doing something prophetic for years. See, he was acting on the promise of God, although he didn't see anything. He was acting in faith. How many of us, knowing that we have a promise in God, that God has given you a calling, He's given you a promise, but you're still waiting. I mean, you're trusting God for that platform to preach or to, to teach or to lead that business, or to, but you just don't see it yet. But how many of us are acting in faith as if it is happening already? That's exactly what Elkanah husband do. Isn't that amazing how a husband come and supports his wife, right? And that emotionally carrying her in that dream that she has. Now, when we walk with someone who knows God's promises for your life, they will call it out of you. And they will keep you accountable to keep believing it. I mean, I praise God for some men and women and my wife and my life that that every time she, she knows the promises of God in my life. But every time I get distracted or I get discouraged, she would keep on believing and encouraging, encouraging me through this time of life. So we need people around us. We need people around us that can encourage us. Now, if you have a spouse, that's probably the first person you need to get it from. It's a person who knows you the best, who are the closest and the most intimate to you. And, and, and that's the, the person who needs to encourage you on a daily basis on the promises. If they don't know the promises of God in your life, then they need to know. You need to ask each other, what is God's promises in your life? What, what are you dreaming about? It's a good question to, to, to uh, ask each other so many times. Like, what are you dreaming about? What is God making you dream about your life? Or what dreams does God put in your heart? That you feel is a promise for you in your life. So that they can start believing with you. Start doing prophetic things about you. Acting in faith towards that promise. Now if you, if you are not married yet. Or maybe your husband passed away. Or maybe you're single. And I want to encourage you that there is so much people around you. That God has placed in your life that you haven't even noticed. That, that can be confident, accountability friends and, and even family. 
in your life that can exactly play that role exactly like it should be. So I want you to be encouraged this morning if you're not married that God has given people in your life that you maybe haven't got, given a chance to speak into your life, to encourage you, to act in faith prophetically towards that promise in your life. And if you don't have someone and say, but I just don't have people. I promise you there is people around you. If you start praying and trusting God for people to speak into your life, they are there. God will open your eyes and show you and give you and bless you with some friends. Now we need people around us who loves us and can keep us encouraging us every day till the waiting is over. That's why we need church. That's why we have church family that we can stay and keep on encouraging each other in the spirit and in faith every day. Now Elkanah, Hannah's husband, kept on encouraging Hannah. Why? Because he loved her. He loved her. And by, and I don't know if you know, but by law, it was a custom in that times. By law, a husband could divorce her, his wife if she was barren. And Elkanah never did it. He never did it. I mean, it's so amazing. He could just say, listen, I've got a lot of children with Penina. I'll go on with her. I'm going to divorce you and you can go and find yourself another place to stay. But he loved her so much and said, I'm going to believe God with you to see this promise through in your life. You see, Hannah could have given her servant girl to, to Elkanah. And that's what they did in the biblical times. The, the woman, you remember Sarah from Abram? She gave her servant girl and Ishmael came about. But Hannah never did this. I, and I can believe why. Because the Bible said Elkanah loved her so much. He didn't want to have a child with anyone else but with her. And, 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 and it makes it so much more worth it to realize that love can change a promise. Love can change that promise as you're waiting. Love can change that waiting period in your life. See, Elkanah stayed lovingly devoted to his wife. Lovingly devoted to Hannah, no matter what the circumstances was, what she waited for. I mean, he just stayed devoted to her. Now, we need people around us that is such uh, with such devotion to our friendship, to your marriage, to whatever you are waiting for in the promises. Like. I'll, and, and I want to encourage you to keep on praying for such people in your lives. Let's continue from verse 9. Are you there? I'm reading from the NIV again. So let's read on again. Once when they had finished eating and drinking in Silo, Hannah stood up. Now Eli the priest was sitting in his chair by the doorstep of the Lord's house. Eli was the high priest. <coughs> Sorry. Verse 10. In her deep anguish, Hannah prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly. Verse 11. And she made a vow saying, Lord Almighty, if it's your will, only look on your servant's misery and remember me and not forget your servant, but give her a son. Then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life and no razor will ever be used on his head. As, I kept on, as she kept on praying to the Lord, Eli, the high priest, observed her mouth. Hannah was praying in her heart and her lips was moving, but her voice was not heard. Eli thought she was drunk. And said to her, how long are you going to stay drunk? Put away your wine. But verse 15, not so, my Lord, Hannah replied. I am a woman who is deeply troubled. I have not been drinking wine or beer. I was just pouring out my soul 
to the Lord. Do not take your servant for a wicked woman. I have been praying here out, out of my great anguish and grief. Verse 17. Eli answered, Go in peace and may the God of Israel grant you what you have asked him. Verse 18. She said, May your servant find favor in your eyes. Then she went her way and ate something and her face was no longer downcast. Verse 20. Let's just dump, jump two verses on. It says, so verse 20, in the course of time, Hannah become pregnant, became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She named him Samuel because I asked the Lord for him. Such a great scripture. Now, now in the number two, remember I start number one, who are walking with you. Number two, second point I want us to get from the story is in your toughest times of waiting, who do you cry out to? In your toughest time, the most the most sorrowful time in your waiting process. Who do you cry out to? Now, Hannah, although encouraged by her husband on a daily basis, she went directly to seek God. Directly. He was encouraging her, he was loving her, but she went to her knees and cried out to God with everything she had. The Bible even said she had great anguish. Now, it's always the easiest to complain to others. Am I right? I mean, I've been there. It's so easy to just get outing of your, get just vent some of those emotions and just tell everyone how bad the situation is I'm going through right now. And, <laughs> and I'm not just saying you, I'm saying all of us. It is so much easier because we want people to feel sorrowful with us. We want people to feel sorry for us. Now, also, it's easy to look to others, people close to us, to give us the answer or solve our problem of waiting. I mean, it's the first thing we want to do. I'm calling mentors and people in my life and say, please, can you just solve my problem? Can you just give me an answer that can help me? Why am I waiting just for this thing in my life? But we always do that before we run to God. What did Hannah do? She immediately ran and poured out her heart before the Lord. Now, I think... Hannah's Hannah sorrow and anguish drove her to a point where she didn't care what others think. She was so over it, so in, in sorrow that she just, I didn't want to hear anything else. I just want to hear my God. Now she came to such a point that she knew only God has the answer. Only God has the answer I'm looking for. Now there was a time in our lives where we went through some, some very tough transitions in ministry. Now, during that time, I remember, and Salumi will tell you as well, we had so many amazing loving voices around us. Everybody wanted to give us direction and love and encourage us and give us some wisdom and, and, and all these things. But, but everything and all those voices just seemed to bring more confusion. Till the point where all the voices went quiet. And we wanted to like, Lord, you quiet. The people around us are quiet. What now? And the only thing that can brought us close to God was our sorrow and our waiting and, and just that anguish of, Lord, you need to speak to us in this place of waiting. You see, all the people around us meant well. We know they loved us, but we needed God in that moment. Maybe you waiting and you in that moment of, Lord, I'm waiting and waiting. I don't know what's going to happen. Maybe I'm going to lose my business. Maybe I'm going to do this. In this waiting period, it is it is severe anxiety. 
and I don't know who to listen to anymore until I'm just getting to a place that I only need to hear from you. I only want to hear from you, Father. Exactly where Hannah was. See, Hannah couldn't gone straight. I mean, he, she, she could have run straight to Eli, the high priest, at the door. But she ran past him to the front of the altar and she just prayed. She could have gone to the high priest and said, please pray for me. Give me wisdom. But she didn't. She decided to seek God. Who do you, who, in your toughest time, who do you cry out to? Who do you cry out to? She only wanted to encounter God. That's all that Hannah wanted to. She just wanted an encounter with God. Now because of her heart before God, God spoke through his man, the high priest Eli. And, and, and man, he gave her a surety on a promise. It's almost like you have a promise for something and somebody comes and put a stamp on it and said, yes, God said, whatever he said is true. It will happen to you. Now, number three, it's an easy one. What is our response? And I want to close with this. What is our response to God? Right after that. Number one is who are you walking through in this time? Number two is <coughs> in your toughest times of waiting, who do you cry out to? And number three is what is your response to God when He comes through, when you're still waiting? What is our response to God? Now, when Eli spoke to Hannah, Hannah knew God heard her heart. He heard her heart. And she immediately had peace and started eating. See this? Remember the scripture says she didn't want to eat. She was sorrowful. She went and prayed. And when Eli spoke to her and he confirmed that promise of God, she immediately had peace, as the Bible said, and she started eating. Now, now for me, this is the most amazing, the most amazing thing or sign of faith in this whole story. It's the most amazing thing. Why? Because Hannah found peace before she saw her promise. She found peace in that promise before she even saw it. I mean, that is true faith in God. Right in the middle of the wilderness. She wasn't out of her wilderness yet. She, she still didn't have children. But she had, a, she had a, a confirmation on the promise of God for her. Now, when Hannah finally had a son, she responded this way. She gave him back to God. She nursed him for about three years till he was um, nursed. And then she took him back to Eli and said, I just want to honor God and the promise and the vow that I've taken. I've, I'm giving back to God of the honor that I had to raise a child that will be amazing someday for God. Isn't that amazing? Now, if you look at, if you look at, um, at Penina, the Bible never speaks of her again. Never. But Hannah, her child, was used mightily by God. Mightily. It's amazing. We, there's two books written about Samuel in the Bible. So what can we learn from Hannah's story? I want to close with this. What can we learn from the story of Hannah of waiting on her promise and never giving up on God? What can you learn through this in your life and what you're going through at the moment and what you're seeing as a waiting period in your life. Now, number one is what I don't, what I don't want us to miss is when we aim for God's promises through sorrow and waiting, that promises are always greater than we can imagine. You see, when we go through sorrow and pain and waiting, 
We aim for God's promises in our lives. We aim for God's promise. But the promise is always bigger than you thought. Always greater than you think. Always more amazing than what we hoped for. Now number two is, people around you will sometimes not believe in a dream and a promise God gave you. But I want, I want to encourage you to hold on to that dream and that calling that God has given you. You know, Hannah was mocked on a daily basis, on a yearly basis when they went for, for the sacrifice. But Nina mocked her and spoke to her in a, in a very dishonoring way. And it hurt her heart so much. It was people very close to her. She lived with Penina and all her children. And it was wrapped in her face all the time. And what did she do? She just held on to God's promise in her life. I remember when, when, um, when people told me in my life that you will never be able to, you'll never be a preacher or you'll never be this. Or people said to me, you'll never be a great runner. Or you, I mean, I always held on to the promise that God has given me. Always. And I want to encourage you today to never let go of that promise that God has given you. Maybe you said, but Henny, what, what promise? That what you are passionate about. What you want to do in life. But you haven't seen the fullness of it yet. That is a promise of God in your life that God has given you. And God's going to do so much more through that promise. Maybe you've started seeing some snippets of that promise coming true in your life. God is just starting. It's just the tip of the iceberg. It's the cherry on the cake. God is just busy cutting the cake. See, God is about to bless numerous people through your gifting, through your promise, <laughs> through, through, through that thing, that calling that God has called you. And then number three is Hannah, after she received the confirmation by Eli from God, she didn't stay in a place of sorrow while she waited. She didn't stay there. She immediately picked herself up. Her face changed and she ate. And she had peace that God will supply. God will come through. No matter how hard this waiting season is, that I am um, content that my God will come through. Never stay in a place of sorrow when you know that God has the promise for you. So many of you watching here, God has given you prophetic word upon prophetic word upon prophetic word in your life. And if you haven't received, then trust God for some prophetic word in your life. But take that prophetic word and start proclaiming it over your life. There's actually a scripture in, in, in 1 Timothy where Paul come to Timothy and he encouraged him with the scripture and said, Timothy, remember the prophecy that you've given when we laid our hands upon you, where you got the gift of your grandmother Eunice. And then he says, I want you to go to war with that prophecy. Isn't that amazing? Go and read it. It says that you can take that prophecies in your life and you can start proclaiming it as weapons of warfare over your promises. That is so amazing. I love that. You see, Hannah immediately stood up in faith and waited patiently. She rested in God from that moment on. From that moment on. And immediately when she stepped out, God started supplying. See, so many of us are waiting on God to bring forth that promises. Now, some of us are waiting with impatience. <laughs> some of us waiting while we're feeling rejected by God. Some of us feeling hurt. Lord, why are you taking so long? Why is this so tough for me? Some of us are feeling lonely while we wait. Some of us are feeling left out. How many of you feel left out this morning? Like, Lord, aren't you seeing me? 
Here I, I mean, Lord, how many times do I have to show you I'm faithful? Maybe some of you are feeling fearful what the future might hold for you. And that, that makes you insecure of the promises of God in your life. Now, when we turn all our emotions to God, like Hannah, she poured out everything before God. When we turn all our emotions to God, God suddenly starts to move. It's amazing. I mean, I think Hannah could have probably, she went to, she went to a sacrifice with Elkanah and the family every year for so many years. But only now she came and she poured out everything before God. As soon as she poured out everything before God, she got a promise and, a, a con, um, and, and God confirmed that promise. Immediately there was contentment. And when the contentment was there, God moved. Immediately, within less than a year, God moved. See, Hannah, Hannah could have gone to this point so much sooner. But she hold, held on to her sorrow and her pain while she was waiting. While she went, thought she got to that place where she laid down everything before the Father. Now, I want to encourage you to go and sit before God. Go and sit at His feet and just tell Him your dreams and your sorrows and how you feel in this place of waiting. And I believe that God will show up. God will start moving His hand exactly to get that promises and that waiting period to end. I want to encourage you today that, that it is not about the sorrow and the pain. It's not about the rejection. It's about the preparation. God is preparing all of us through this season of waiting for something greater. I've been, I've been confessing over my life that God is, some, is busy birthing something new through our church, through our lives, through my children, through our ministry, through South Africa. I've been confessing that I am not waiting in vain. God is not rejecting us. He's preparing us. He's pressing the reset button of preparation in our lives that says, I'm preparing you for that new thing. Maybe, um, let me go back to if a mother are pregnant. I'm not rejecting you. The baby is there. She's alive. She is, or he is alive. He is healthy. And the time is coming where you will hold them on your lap. And they will shout and sing and scream and, and be joyful. But you will see the promise of God in your life. I want to pray with you this morning. And as I pray, I want you maybe to put your hand on your heart. Or, or maybe put your hand hands in the air, whatever you are choosing for a place of surrender to God. And, and I want you to ask God to remind you of the dreams and, and the promises that you've been holding on for so long, but some of you have let go of that promises because you didn't want to wait any longer because it was too painful. But God says, don't, don't, let, don't let go of that promise, but keep holding it on and come and pour it out before me. So I want you to close your eyes this morning and I want you to put your hand on your heart as we pray this morning. Father, we thank you. I want to pray before everyone this morning. I want to pray with everyone this morning that as we're sitting and, and we've, been, we've been reading your word about Hannah, Father, I pray that we will not give up on the promises that you've given us. We will not let go of what you have promised so long ago in our lives. Father, I pray that, that you will heal the sorrow that you will ease the pain of waiting. Even if the waiting is very recent, like we're all going through right now, 
And Father, I pray that, that you will bring an excitement and an encouragement into our lives that you are doing something greater than we can ever think or imagine. Greater than, than we feel is going through at the moment. I feel there's some of you that feel that whatever I'm losing in this waiting period is going to knock me for life. It's going to be so severe. I don't, I don't know how I'm going to get up again. But I want to cancel that prophetically this morning. Every thought that is negative. I want to proclaim life over your thoughts. That, that, and proclaim that God is busy doing something better than you can ever imagine through this waiting period. As you're waiting and you can't see what's happening, it's fine. God is in control. He knows exactly what you're going through. It's time to let all that emotions down at his or put all their emotions down at his feet and just trust him with his plan and his purposes and his timing all you need to do is wait patiently there's some of you watching here today that you've been struggling with pain in your body with sickness and i'm not saying it's coronavirus or anything but it's just sickness or pain that's been haunting you maybe arthritis in your in your hands or on your feet or maybe gout or Something that's like God has promised me that He's going to heal me for so long. I just believe that that waiting is, is over. That God is about to heal you supernaturally. And right now, as I'm praying right now, that that pain, can you just put your hand on that pain or that place or that, that area? Maybe it's your, your mind. Maybe you're, you're forgetting things. Maybe you've got headaches every day that you can't get rid of. Maybe you just put your hand on your head. And Father, I just pray right now that you bring release in every promise. And I speak healing over every calamity in the name of Jesus. There's some of you trusting God for breakthrough in business right now. And I want you just to stretch your hand out to the camera, to the phone or to the cell phone, whatever you. And we're just going to agree. The word says, we're two or more gather in Matthew 18. With two or more gather and agree it will be so. So Father, we agree together for every business that it will be more, more than they, they ever dreamed of. They would see more money coming through their business being a blessing to more people than ever before. So Father, I thank you that they will not look at the impossibility, but they will look at the possibility in God. And that through this waiting period, you are going to do something amazing. So Father, thank you for the breakthrough. Thank you for the healing right now in the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray for those who with, with um, anxiety, depression, with, with emotions that's pushing them down into the dumps. And I pray that you will pull them up today and that you will shine your light upon them right now. Won't you just put your hand on your heart and your, and your mind if you are struggling with depression and, and anxiety, Father, I pray for your light to come right now. And that there will not be anxiety anymore, but there will be life and light and the ignition of your goodness in their lives every morning when they wake up and every evening when they go to bed. Father, I thank you for breakthrough this morning. Thank you for listening to our weekly sermon. For more detail, visit www.klcstellenbosch.co.za.